This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Guys, if you don't know what Liquid IV is, we'll buckle up because I'm going to throw you a game changer. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier that not only tastes great, but is a non-GMO electric light drink mix. Powered by cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the body faster and more efficiently than water can just do alone. One stick contains three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks with five essential vitamins. Now, I pride myself on telling you about things that I either already like or just use in my everyday life. And I have to say, I've actually been a fan of Liquid IV for a long, long time now. I use it for everything from, you know, just long runs to stay in shape, all those late nights with those after hours or just when I'm feeling a little dehydrated. I turn to it so it could just, my God, set me straight, make me feel like a million bucks again, and just get me ready for the day. So please head on over to their website. That's liquid-iv.com to check out their amazing line of products. And get this, when you use promo code Art of the Beholder, all one word, you'll get 20% off your order. Now, if you need a little direction on where to start, I recommend Lemon Lime. Guys, you're going to love it, won't be disappointed. So please give it a shot and get more fuel for life's adventures. Now, back to the show. Greetings and salutations, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Art of the Beholder, a show dedicated to all things eclectic in the world of art, where we do deep dives into deep cuts and help you understand why damn things matter. I'm your host, Novo Day, and today we're going to be discussing art and film, writing, and narrative, focusing on Christopher Nolan's film, Memento. To hash it out, I'm of course joined by one of our executive, exclusive senior contributors. That's right, the man you'll never, ever, ever forget, and that is Mr. Theodore T. Buck. Welcome, Buck. What's up? You're kind of little... dancing. Like I could see you just like he's feeling the energy, he's feeling the vibe. The I like I it. Got, I got a he's got a I little got whiskey a, in his hand. Got a little whiskey in my hand, courtesy of the country of uh, Finland. I feel like we uh, just wrote a song together. Got a little whiskey in my hand, maybe like a, like a country like pop a country pop song that like, we were making fun of, and uh, well, we were making fun of it in uh, art. In this art is this art episode. We we're making fun of country. Well, pop. I make fun of a lot of country pop music, so. But yeah, no, I, I had a little song I was singing in my head. I was like, Memento. "You're feeling it, yeah." Got I can see, I can see it in your dad dance, yeah. The, the 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 shoulders dance you're doing that all men dance. know it's called the chair dance <laughs> that all men know very well but let's pull it back we are here today to talk about christopher nolan's film memento now buck we always knew we were going to be talking about this man mr christopher nolan but it was uh you know we came to a crossroads i definitely came to a crossroads because in what capacity for our show here should we do a biography should we do a career piece or maybe something else and i said nay nay it eventually nah, hit nah. me nah. <laughs> nah, nah. nay nah. uh, the uh, answer nah. was staring us right in the face t buck we, we will we will we, talk about one of the we, first movies we no longer had anterior grade amnesia it was time to talk about the one and only the one that started it all memento 
the one that brought the world mm. to perk up their ears and open their eyes to the artistic quality that is everything Christopher Nolan. Now, I, I can you hear him, Buck? I, I hear I the hear- Twitter mob coming. I, I okay, guys, we know you, you, this you're is, forgetting one. You're yep, forgetting one. We, we, we know, guys, this isn't his very, very, very first film ever. That is the film following where he wrote, directed, edited, did literally everything. He's a, he's a um, one stop shop, but this was the film in uh, our humble opinions that um really was the breakthrough it oh, was yeah. the industry piece it was they had a um studio backing well-known actors uh, a, an entire film crew um a dp we had the whole team essentially it, it was following that, it was just him right it was that movie that like you were sitting in high school and somebody be like Dude, have you seen Memento? Exactly. Yeah. The movie fucks with your mind, man. <laughs> that was literally every every friend I had in high school. It was it was that it was guy. kind of the the typical like stoner kind of. I had like, one one oh true blue stoner friend, and then the, and the rest were drinkers. The rest I, I, were, had, <laughs> I had, but we one, would watch we would watch the nerdy shit. Together. We would watch the deep cuts like this he, together. He, like I, the stoner guy was my guy for this stuff. And oh then yeah, the drinkers were the were the guys for let, let's go out and party. Let's yeah, let's the be music, social kittens, right? Yeah, the stoner guy was my music and like movie thing, and and I I still love him to this day. He's one of the few people I talk to from high school. Really? Wow. Yeah. No. He and he's like he's not a stoner now. He's he's. He's got a very good career, but um, he, uh, yeah, I just remember driving, uh, you know, I, I grew up, as I say, uh, I was part of the prairie people, um, way out west. And butt, butt fucking Egypt, America, butt though. Fucking, yeah, way out, way out there. <laughs> the America west. butt fucking Egypt, that one? Yes, something, uh. you know, between, uh, yeah, no, and so uh, one time he, he like, you know, we're down on this country road, it's two lane road. And he pulls up right beside me in his little Dodge truck. And I just see him roll down the window and just smoke just pouring oh, out man. of it. And he's like waving at me hot and just boxing. drives. Hot box just drove right <laughs> by. Loved the kid to death. He's the smartest person I ever knew. But yeah, he and I would always talk about films like this. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it a little later. Let's yeah, yeah, yeah. As I always say, you know, give us a little, but but save save the rest for the discussion, for the discussion section. So, yes. This was technically his second film in his filmography, but this was the breakthrough. This yeah. one, and and arguably right out of the gates, it was it's it's a perfect film in a lot of ways, and and we 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 like to say that it changed cinema forever. Now, yeah. before we discuss, of course, we need a little background. Memento was written and directed by Christopher Nolan, as as already said, based on a short story from his brother. Jonathan Nolan, if you were if you've been living under a goddamn rock and need us to refresh your memory, Christopher Nolan is also the man behind other notable works, including The Prestige, The Dark Knight, Inception, Interstellar, and most recently, Tenet. It was released, Memento that is, Memento was released on September 5th, 2000 to international markets and on March 16th, 2001 in the U.S. It stars Guy Pierce. Carrie Ann Moss, and Joe Pantoliano. Now, before we hash it out, of course, we need a little word from our sponsor. But before we get to the sponsor, did you hear that, kids? Did you I hear think, it? I think Mr. T-Buck hit his mic stand. Is that is that that's, what I heard? That's number one. That's number one. <laughs> get, get your... Uh, get your uh, 
your pencil and paper out yep. or your phone out so you can yeah so you can put it on the scoreboard. It's, it's America's favorite game, and because I am drinking whiskey you're, right now, so it might happen a few times more. We should tell them you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, so yeah. You're welcome, uh, you're welcome but, America. Of course, before we discuss, we need a little word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by the novel The Entropy Sessions, a tale of loss, love, and madness in our past, present, and future relationships with technology. Find it on Amazon and as an audiobook through Audible. Your support helps us continue our journey. Now back to the show. So what we like to do on these particular kind of shows is first impressions. Buck, give it to me. Put us, put us, put us in the driver's seat. You're 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 a charming young lad in high school, and you just got done seeing Memento. How do you feel? How did I'm it hit you? Charming young lad in high school. <laughs> when I'm holding this glass, I feel like I yeah. You feel like you look like a charming oh, uh, and a, uh, or a mature uh, lad. Not I feel a, like I need to talk like James Mason, and that will only be a reference for our sixty plus crowd. Um, well, we do like to do deep cuts and yeah. Deep dives uh, I'm into sorry deep cuts. about that for young. That was kids, a deep cut. If if you ever want to just like really have fun, search James Mason Thunderbird Wine on uh on uh, YouTube and you'll you'll see where that comes from. John Hamm did a great you'll impression see. of him. <laughs> yes, he talked like this That's and a drink a specific timber. Yeah, All right, sp- Buck. All right, but back, let back me pull to, it back. back yeah, let me yeah, do let's, a Nova pullback. What back. what was your first impression? What oh, did you think man. of the movie after you saw it, man? So so let's let's set the scene here. Yep. Tell us like, paint, young, paint young, the picture. Young T Buck. You young know, T-Buck. he's, he's oh. 16, 17. Handsome, rippling you know, young, gelled hair with maybe some frosted tips. Wore a lot of visors. Teeth so white it can blind a baby. You know, <laughs> back in the day, you know, uh, you had like... He was Instinct a supermodel, was guys. We're trying to say yeah. supermodel, okay? But but no, I worked at a... And he, and he a looks even better now, believe it or not. We don't like to brag, <laughs> but it's... Uh, if you think a supermodel can be more handsome, it's it, it can it, be possible. The receding hairline, I mean, gotta <laughs> love it. Um, so, so you were... Okay, so, so let's set the setting. Um, we had these things called video rental stores. Ooh, ooh. And this was an amazing time for me because this is like my film awakening. And I worked at a grocery store and they had a film rental store inside of it. Yes. Where you could get things like VHS tapes and DVDs. And because I was an employee, I got them for a quarter. Oh, um, shit. That makes, us, that makes us sound like we're really old. Like we lived in the I 50s. Know. But like that was like it was just cheap there right it was yeah cheap. it was cheap it was it wasn't like a blockbuster it was it was like uh the place you know and i have to mention tapes. this that was my favorite non-career job ever i worked at blockbuster and i i loved every minute of it i got all the best perks that uh that an art buff would like and or a film buff would like at the time and um that's part of the reason i got into films like memento and and we talked about this before yeah uh, i lumped memento into the you know into the the categories or the realms or of that time and that include like fight club requiem for that's a what dream. i mean it was fight club requiem for a dream um vanilla sky vanilla all these sky. movies ah, around yes. the same time it was like this amazing time to watch all these films that were coming out and really getting into film and because i had this like access to this giant film library uh that i could just basically go in and and just kind of take the tapes at random I, this is part of that time for me. And I remember that summer watching this, this also the same night I watched this. Yeah. I watched pie as well. Oh shit. Pie. Yeah. Darren Aronofsky. Right. Yeah. yeah. So before Requiem for a dream, it was pie. 
That was yeah. that was that was what all us kids, all us film buffs and nerds and connoisseurs, we we had to nerd out on, right? Yeah, this but this was an amazing time, I think, in my life. And and this is kind of one of those movies that fit into that. Where I was like, wow, I'd never seen anything like this before. It gave me a, b- a bigger appreciation for film overall. And so that's the thing here, folks, is th- this this film was made in a way we really hadn't seen before. Yeah. Um, my uh, let, me, let me touch on my first impression because you're about to go into the narrative. Uh, something that has never really done been done before and it really hasn't been done quite quite as well since and that was my first impression i had never seen anything quite like this nor do i feel like i've seen anything like it since it's just one of those pieces that really linger in your mind for a long time right that that because of the structure of the film and the plot and of course the narrative it four years to come still to this day even when i rewatched it for this episode i was like wait so is this the definitive answer or is this the definitive answer because i you know uh buck you know me uh the good listeners know me fairly well at this point i'm a big fan of dualisms i'm okay with things that can have two multiple or two or more kind of endings that work together at the same time. I'm okay with that. You know, like it's, it's up to your, it's up to the audience's um, interpretation of what the actual uh, story means to them and any kind of definitive conclusions on how the ending wraps up the story. And I, and we'll talk about that here in a minute when we go into a story and plot and narrative. Uh, But I, um, I, that was my first impression. So let's let's dive into the next piece of our discussion, uh, at, which is a perfect segue because we got to talk about the writing. So the first thing I want to talk about is plot versus narrative. Now we often, uh, well, most people often use these two words interchangeably, but there is actually a clear, distinct difference. If you don't know, plot is the general story, the beats of the story from beginning to end. Usually, films are written in three acts. Now, the narrative is how that in this case filmmaker wants to translate that plot to the audience now he did this in a very interesting way he a very famously uh constructed a narrative that we'd never seen before as already discussed there was two sides to this coin the colored scenes okay in color were shown chronologically but chronologically in a backwards order where there was then black and white scenes that were shown in the traditional chronological order and they met up at the end of the piece and faded into each other to create the conclusion of the story we had never seen this before and uh he describes it like we me and buck did a lot of research for this episode and there is an there is a youtube video of him of Christopher Nolan himself explaining this, and he explained it like a he's got like a, a chalkboard, even. Yeah, he's got a chalkboard, and he he like looks like class. he looks like a professor too. You know, this guy yeah. could have been a physicist professor, and he's always been fascinated by time and the construction everything. of yeah. You know, Most we saw that his tenant and everything like that. Exactly, tenant. Uh, uh, and we we were talking about this earlier. Yeah. Dunkirk, even. Oh, uh, that's Dunkirk, right has three three stories that are playing in different that seem to all be happening like at the same time but they're actually not they're just shorter and shorter time uh with time spans and time frames and it has to do also uh one thing i didn't tell you about but has to do with the the mode of transportation too Ah, uh being on land then sea and then air yeah um just that that kind of 
you know, differences in, in, in transportation time as well. And so, yeah, we see this through his entire filmography and people forget or probably just don't know it, especially if they came into his filmography, maybe in the middle. I think people really, um, of course, to us, deep diver types, me and Buck, uh, we got Christopher Nolan on our radar in the beginning <laughs> with Memento. Yeah. But a lot of people probably hit it with what? The Dark Knight trilogy, things like that. I, I would say that's when he was like more mainstream. I mean, but he he did some other stuff like The Prestige. Oh my gosh! Was yes, that, his, that his filmography is um is it's just a perfect uh, set yeah, of I need movies. To see when that was made, but I, you know, your your old roommate um <laughs> in college, he and I like we, we talked we about this. this in the Bowie episode. We just released the Bowie. Did episode. we? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, we we would watch like movies and stuff, and Prestige was like. The one that got us well, all. Well, that's like, why we talked about it in the episode because yeah. Bowie, David Bowie, was oh, yeah, because Bowie Tesla in the prestige, okay. and so we talked about it Look, for a while. Folks, um, I'm getting, I'm pushing it. Um, I'm starting to forget things, and uh, <laughs> if if it sound, still if looks I'm like a model myself, though, he still he doesn't uh, he hasn't aged a bit. Yeah, it's it's because I'm I'm just you know it's the Kiro. It's it's <laughs> we're not we're not. Uh, sponsored by this whiskey but it will we can add it to our long list of sponsors that we're still waiting for a phone call from so uh nvidia spotify uh i I forgot the other sponsors off the top of my head Uh, but now uh, this whiskey exxon (laughs) uh we're racking up quite the sponsor ads here i like it uh but let's pull it back let's go back to memento uh so that is uh if you don't know the main plot of the story we should talk about that so we talked about narrative and structure but you should also understand the very basic beats of the story now the story on paper is very simple actually it tells the story of leonard shelby a man that went through a terrible terrible incident he found that his wife was being raped and eventually murdered and in the ruckus he tried to stop this from occurring as he as he discovered it in the moment one of there was two attackers one of the attackers uh pushed him into a glass window and it changed his memory forever. He now has anterior grade amnesia and he cannot create new memories. Now, in his mind, his wife was murdered. One person was captured in the aftermath and one of the assailants got away. So the main plot of the movie is revenge. He's going on an adventure, a hunt to find this other assailant so he can kill him and avenge his murdered wife. The only things he knows, because he can't create new memories, is the notes he makes, the mementos that he creates on his body through tattoos, writing it on his body, everything. And Which is pretty cool. Yes. It's, um, it's, that's part of yeah. the neo-noir essence of the film, once you actually yeah. see the character. And we'll talk about the acting here in a moment as well by the great, great guy Pierce. Oh, my God. What a... What a Dude, performance of a la- lifetime fire at, around this time. Like he was doing so many different things. I mean, this whole cast really was um, right. I mean, well, two thirds of it is the, the cast of the Matrix. That's where they yeah, got uh, <laughs> Carrie and Maz and Joe Pantaleon. <laughs> which uh, he was. I mean, you talk about especially with the Wachowskis. He he was kind of a staple um, in their films as well uh, early on. Um, yeah. 
and he's a great i i love him in a lot of stuff um oh yeah he's a, he's a great character actor he's a great character say. actor character yeah, he's, actor, he's not going to be winning any um <laughs> probably oscars but it, it, you know we haven't seen him around in a lot of movies oh like yeah I, I feel like he's he's he may have retired you know he may, yeah he's about yeah, he was taking some time off may have retired i don't know maybe he's behind yeah. the camera that happens a lot you know actors start directing or start yeah. producing and they they take a uh, break from the spotlight in the it's acting smart. world and and they start getting behind the camera but let's uh so that's a good segue to the characters themselves so guy pierce plays leonard shelby the main protagonist uh joe pantiliano plays teddy and you i uh, he has he has a longer name. That's a nickname, and so I don't want to ruin plot points for you, but that is important later on. Carrie Ann Moss plays Natalie, and there's also supporting characters and cast, but uh, the main trinity of the <laughs> of the three, uh, no pun intended, is Leonard Shelby, Teddy, and Natalie. Mm-hmm. He just knows that one of the assailants' name or the assailant that got away, his name is John G. So throughout the movie, he's looking for this John G. And uh, one other supporting character that is important to to note in this discussion is Sammy Jenkins, because Leonard uses the memory of Sammy Jenkins to relate to his own current situation, because that was the person that's the only other person that has the condition that he has anterior great amnesia. The fact that he can't create new memories. Now, uh, before we move on from the writing, the characters, we have to talk about themes There's so many amazing, thick incredible themes throughout this film. So I'm going to give it back to T-Buck for a a moment with this question. What did this movie mean to you? What is this movie? If you had to summarize it in one sentence or two sentences, you know, what what would you see? What would you say the the main theme is? Um, The main theme? I, 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 well, I mean, God, there's a lot here, but for me, it's more about, I'm trying to think of a way of putting this, but it's more how um, stories are structured. It was more okay. taking a step back. It was more a story structure um, and maybe not a theme, but it was more of a um, technique. Yeah, that's more of an analysis of the filmmaking, the structure of film. Let me let me let me start the theme discussion and then you can piggyback off of it, because uh, the story to me, there's a lot of different things that people do in life that give us meaning, that yeah. give us purpose. And there's a dark side to that. And with Leonard Shelby, he lied to himself. He would lie to himself. He would uh, deceive himself and others, but most importantly, himself to give himself purpose. Purpose, And we, we, I know we all like to think that different things, different positive things in life give us meaning and purpose, but there's a lot of darker sides of that. And I feel that way all the time when I think about my own existentialism, mortality, things like that, and and the amount of lying I do just to myself to yeah. uh, give myself that meaning of purpose. So that well, was that's the biggest theme to me. One thing I do pull out of it too is it's also yeah, just like what you were saying with purpose, lying to yourself. It, it really goes along of what you will do to go convince yourself. Um, even no matter what it takes to do something. So part of it is, is every day he wakes up, you know, he's, he's got to remember, he can't remember what happened. So he's got to read all this stuff. So it's also like when you're doing things in life and you're going through these things and you're remembering your past is what, what really is a story that you're telling yourself is it, there you go. Yeah. It's what, what, um, what version 
are you going to believe or not? Because I think it, it, it kind of goes back to, um, I've been watching a lot of Beatles stuff lately. You know, Paul McCartney said he would read all the tabloids and things like that and say that he was this uh, ultra controlling uh, individual in the Beatles and that he was just a, basically a dick to be around the whole time. <laughs> and that him and John Lennon fought all the time. And they mm-hmm. did, they did argue, but yeah. he basically in his head, because after years of reading this stuff, he started thinking, well, maybe we weren't friends. Maybe this is true. And so it's kind of like one of those things where it's all about the story that you tell yourself and what you do is basically on that narrative that you set. And and going back, Paul McCartney, after rewatching some of this new stuff, this new footage from Get Back and, and looking at photos, realized, no, we were really good friends. We just had different creative you know, creative differences and stuff. Well, I, I always say it this way, you know, any um, artistic, any people that are creative types or artistic types that have to band together in teams, even like this, yeah. like me and you and our producers and everything like that. Yeah. Sometimes we're a family. We butt heads. We uh, challenge each other. Yeah. But we figure out how to meet in the middle. And that's what I think creates some of the best art is when you know how to <laughs> constructively criticize well and wisely and meet in the middle. I always think of that scene in um, Bohemian Rhapsody where um, so Freddie Mercury, there's a scene where he's like, uh, you know, he wanted to go solo and do his own thing and it never worked because he said that, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, he surrounded himself by so many yes men and women that they allow, they allowed him to do everything that he wanted to do and it just didn't work because there wasn't that that creative uh, synergy between his bandmates. And that's what you need. Sometimes you need uh, a clash and a push and a pull and uh, to meet in the middle. Someone to tell you what? that, no, this isn't working. What are you talking about surrounding yourself around yes men? I have yes men around me the whole time, and it's perfect. <laughs> that was a very good impression. We don't need to say who it is because I bet they can guess. Now, let me pull it back. We went on a very long tangent there. So I I, I want to ask you now this. So get ready to be put on the spot and your face go red again and the audience can hear it in your voice because um, with this plot, we met a lot of unreliable narrators. We see this a lot in neo-noir films, stories, or just traditional classic uh, uh, black and white noir films. So Leonard Shelby is one, definitely Teddy is one. And um, I ask you this, what do you think is the true... um, ending not necessarily ending but what do you think is the true reality of the situation that leonard has found himself in there's a everything that leonard's saying is true that his wife did die in the incident and he lost his memory and now he's going on this hunt for revenge Mm -hmm. or b that uh, teddy is the one that's telling the truth that sammy that he um he kind of um fused him and Sammy's realities together and that that Sammy never even had a wife that it was it was Leonard's wife that had that had diabetes that he survived the incident that she survived the incident and that uh he accidentally killed her and that he lied to himself to go to to fulfill to well to not feel bad about himself to fulfill this need for uh acceptance and justice that he didn't kill his wife it was somebody else or c there's one more people forget Mm. he is um 
he's imagining all this. He really doesn't have amnesia that he is in a mental institute right now. And that this is all essentially in his mind. It's like, uh, what that it's like that one movie, um, by, uh, Scorsese shutter Island kind of thing. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I've always, you know, I've always interpreted that Teddy was just playing with him for his own. Yes. I agree. I've always, I've always seen that, that Teddy was telling him all this stuff and basically, and well, and it kind of the end of the movie where he, does that you know shaving his leg doing the, the final well my wife made a good point when we were, we were watching this she was like yeah but teddy's a piece of shit he's a fucking piece of shit lying narcissistic patholo- pathological liar how can we trust what he's saying to Lenny? well here here again maybe he's just saying that to manipulate him again here again is the conundrum and it's in a lot of uh Nolan films what yes. really is ending and how do you interpret it if we go to, well it's up to uh, you and yeah. I, when I say you, I'm I'm also saying to the people listening the right people, now, it's, it's up like to Inception. Y- anybody. It's it's up to you. Exactly. Inception. Did it? Did all this really happen, or is it a guy dreaming? Right. Is he still in a dream? Right. I mean, or did it really happen? And the the top did fall out to end. It's the same thing with the Dark Knight. Uh, uh, the end of that trilogy. Well, I feel is like Bruce that Wayne one was a little alive? more. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. I feel like no, that but, one was a little some more. Some people were making uh, arguments that he was not. I wouldn't hinted at the fact that yes, he did fake his. I, 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 yeah, I would say yeah. he's still alive, but still so there, alive. There's a lot of people Batman's that make the argument that that he's 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 not. Um, that we'll pull it back. Alfred. Let's say, but so let's let's pull it back to Memento. We're gonna go off the deep end with fucking Batman. <laughs> If we don't pull it back. So, uh, Memento, you're saying Twilight uh, Teddy, Batman right now. Teddy's uh, vision of his reality is the correct one. That he's I, probably that's what I would manipulated say. and all those things. He's been manipulating him, taking advantage of this guy. Fuck, you know me. People listening, you know me. I like I like I like films like this, and I usually am completely okay with not really having a definitive answer and kind of choosing myself except for memento this is like the only movie i i am obsessed with trying to find to look for all the little easter eggs all the little clues that he sprinkled throughout the movie to try to find the definitive correct one answer and the closest thing i can come up with is that all three in a way are are true that's a cop-out i don't think it's a cop-out because i i I can explain it i i do think explain it sir because i i i am Judging but but leaning on Teddy's right but leaning on Teddy's reality, yeah. I do think that he um he did go through the incident, the the attack, he damaged his you know he dam he had a TBI traumatic brain injury, he lost the ability to create new memories, but that his wife also did survive, and that he was he was confusing his reality. Of his, of what past he thinks he wants to create and and Sammy's, mm. and that he did all those things that Teddy said, but I do think he is a little bit crazy too, because sure. at the end of the movie he he deliberately lied to himself. He yeah. burned the only evidence he had to um to continue this path of killing John G's, and it makes you think how many John G's has he killed? Like a hundred yeah. at this point. And then at the end of the film, you know, uh, I think what's fun is looking at or thinking about what happens into the future. And I think he will continue down this path forever until he dies. He's going to be killing John G's for the rest of his life. He's just going to yeah. keep trying to find new ones. Yeah. And, and I that's think what that's I think, the scariest think thing. That, yeah. In, to in, me. But the, yeah. And the other thing when you start thinking about that is how many times has he burnt that evidence? Or burnt the evidence to let him to, to make him uh, to create a new puzzle for him to figure out kind of thing 
a, a million times to me. That's it's that's my like, answer. It's, it's kind of like my what side, I do. It's a million times. It's kind of like what I do sometimes with me. Like, especially if I have a lot of. <laughs> oh work God, are you are you uh, are you telling no, us something no, no, on no, air? I'm t- I'm, no, yeah, I'm telling you something. It's like, it's like uh, when I'm like, I have to. You Guys, know, Buck's a bounty hunter. He's right, write like, this, write this email right now, and I'm like, no, future T Buck can write this. Email. <laughs> and uh, that's all oh, that explains know, a lot, T Buck. Jeez, you know, it's yeah. one of those things where it's like, you know, I don't have to do this right now, but guess who will? Future T Buck. Future me. <laughs> Now we're at the halfway point, and what we like to do at this point is talk about just the art. We spend yeah. a lot of time on the story, the prop, the narrative, and now we got to look up, talk about the look of the film. So uh, you're talking about you're about to go into this when you're talking about themes. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you were kind of talking about the theme of filmmaking, like what yeah. you wanted to create in the visual component of it, and I just think it's so striking. I think the performances are excellent. I think the cinematography is spellbinding, and. And this is a um, member. We're working on a shoestring budget, which I think is great. Yeah, it created only more creativity, clearly, from these filmmakers or from, it, from the filmmaker and his team. And, and that's the thing. And I think that's why a lot of people get really tired of these huge, big budget movies when they have all this freedom to do things because it limits that creativity a bit. Classic examples, Jaws, you know, they couldn't get the shark to work, but not being <laughs> able to see the shark made it more suspicious. Well, most of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, Star Wars. They didn't have a lot of stuff. I mean, when they're in the when they're in the trash pit thing, you can see styrofoam floating around. I mean, the, basically <laughs> everything that they had were like just like bunched together uh, battleship and and tank uh, model kits, you know, stuff like that. I mean, you see yeah. this a lot, um, and I think that's what makes it kind of unique and great. We need we need more constraint. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I've always said throw them eight hundred million dollars. Yeah, I've always said that if you if you have to put constraints on uh, your resources, the creative juices will flow. Like if you can't if you if you don't have enough resources or the resources you want to create the vision, uh, a true artist, artur, creative type, they'll they'll figure it out. Aliens, another one. They've got like the little dude in the the outfit, and you didn't really see him that much because it's a guy in a rubber suit. Now, pulling it back to Memento, what I loved about the structure, t you're scaring me. Yeah, you almost got me through the screen. Oh, God. Oh, God. The Um, the double mouth thing. Yeah, that xenomorph fucking thing is. ah. Anyway, so what I liked about the film and the structure of the film and the narrative is that he deliberately did that with the editing. So the editing, again, was perfect because the structure mirrors his amnesia. Just like he won't have new memories, you as the audience member are not allowed to know what happened previously. He hasn't, um, it hasn't been shown to us and it creates that, that feeling of memory loss, right? And again, I think we should talk about how he likes to play with time in his films, forward and backward, literally in the special effects for Tenet, for example. And he's, we've seen this throughout his entire career but not specifically in the structure and editing quite like Memento. One thing I was going to ask you, sorry, I'm going to, I'm going to flip, I'm going to flip this. Are we going to go on another T-Buck tangent? No, no, but no, it's related, but would would this, would this film, is, is it a gimmick? That is the biggest, the biggest criticism of this film. I, I, I always say it's, it's, well, yes. I mean, on superficially, is is it? Yeah. The story is pretty, pretty uh, simple, pretty tame. Nothing to cry home about. Um, and yes, is it 
is it gimmicky? I think that's just a negative way of of saying <laughs> what I like to say. This is the closest thing they had to special effects. Um, yeah. The editing was the special effect in the film and how you mm. viewed it. That's the, the, the true artistic essence of feel that you get from the movie is in the editing and the structure and the narrative. But uh, I mean, yeah, however, it's semantics. Is it a gimmick? Absolutely. But does it help it make it really work and, and, and get to see a simple plot like this through a completely different lens? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why I think it really, I, I think it's, it's that more than anything that not only makes it an artistic piece, but really makes it stand the test of time. Cause this is still like in, you know, hundred greatest films of this oh, yeah, genre yeah. lists all the time. People love memento. Yeah. in. And we we've talked about this before. I know there's uh, cuts, fan made edits, and stuff that actually go in chronological order. I've never watched. Well, it. there's a special you can if the, you or can is get the it special part of the special edition. Yeah, the special yeah. features and and some of the um, releases that they did later, definitely in yeah. the later 2000s. You you can watch the whole thing chronologically, and a lot of people say that it's it's still. Um, it's still pretty good that way. I think yeah. it's. I think yeah, but the the biggest criticism that it gets is that it's 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 hollow without that, that it's not nothing really special without that part. I wouldn't say that personally, but other critics say it. No. And I was just playing devil's advocate there because no, no, I I want you to. That's what people, that's what people uh, have criticized. I've heard multiple times and I, I, I agree with you fully. I I think it's still, you you could call it that if you're trying to be pessimistic and, and negative towards it, but really it's not, it's just, it's, it's like anything. It's like, you're trying something new you're doing something out of the box and usually you know the first example of that you know is always kind of you know the gold standard and and things that's always been compared going forward but the other thing just logistically thinking about creating something like this and how you fil- maybe not so much how you film it because films are already they're made we we know that they're kind of cut and chopped and you go to certain locations and you film maybe the first and second parts of first and second acts, or maybe even the third because you're on that location and things like that. But just kind of storyboarding this out, I, it oh, had God. a bit of a challenge. Oh my God. It, it gives me a headache. Just thinking about planning the storyboards, like, just, oh, yeah. like the part before the storyboards, the prep. Well, and, and I, that's I, I'm just like trying to piece it out in your mind. Like, okay, how, because remember every, every scene that's chronological, but told backwards, it feeds, yeah. it feeds a little bit of what you see at the beginning, at the end of the next, of the next version of the next of the next scene we'll just call them scenes so from a from a from a colored scene to a black and white scene and then back to a colored that colored at the end of it member is going to feed into what you saw at the beginning of the last colored scene yeah so thinking about the structure that way it's oh my god it's so hard i just i want i i wish i could have set in on some of these pitch meetings to the <laughs> uh the film companies we like, like to do those impressions of like yeah, yeah. how yeah. it looks give it give you it know, to us yeah, there's already like, well, I mean, yeah, there's already like I'm, I'm the producer, you know, like you're I'm trying you're trying to finance this film. So pitch it to me. Yeah. Um, so I have this movie idea. Um, it's it was a short story written by my brother who does not have a British accent, but I do. Um, oh, OK, Chris. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I want to make a movie that goes backwards and forwards. Like in time or yeah, everything. <laughs> And then, and then, and then you go into <laughs> dreams, and you go into dreams within dreams, and you have these things. Wait, are we talking about the? Are we talking about the same like, movie? Now? Are we talking yes, about Inception no, now? No, no. And then, and then, and then, 
the British army is, is stranded on the... Wait, 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 wait. We don't have a Dunkirk the... now. So yeah. I, I I feel like... I'm going to this... shoot everything in IMAX, too. And so I, I feel like in this... Everything uh... in film... <laughs> this and then, uh, pitch... And then Hugh Jackman's going to pitch... drown himself. In this in a... meeting pitch uh, sketch we just did, this bit we just did, I realized that... Uh, that was my... actually not a good Christopher Nolan. It was more... Well, <laughs> no, no, you opened my eyes uh, because... I, I realized that Christopher Nolan has only really made one film. <laughs> it's just the same. It's the same movie with different stories uh, no, over no. and over again. They're all the same. No, kidding. Kidding, I'm thinking, of course. I'm really thinking of having a Batman in a realistic world. That's actually I, pretty good. I, I, I want him to come you know, out of the shadows and, and frighten people, but make it realistic. And then piss off a lot of comic book fans and then and then what i hope happens is that i'm not using the accent though what i hope happens is that dc universe uses it and never does it right ever <laughs> doesn't doesn't nail it once <laughs> with the, making every they're gonna make everything dark and brooding and mature and then they're never gonna nail it once <laughs> by the way my brother has another idea he wants to bring an obscure john Crichton movie Back from the seventies and make it into a television series about oh, was that robots. Westworld. Oh yeah, he did Westworld. That's right. Hey, let's pull it back. No, okay, John, so Jonathan Nolan. I mean, that, he's an excellent fun. writer. He, he's yeah. a great writer. Excellent um, writer. Him and I think it's Lisa Joy. Is that his? Am I thinking? Oh yeah, Joy I think his wife or his writing partner, writing or something, partner, or producer. Yeah, partner. they do great things. Uh, I love Westworld. That for first season, if I had to the, be really the first nitpicky. and second, I think we're yeah. okay. Yeah, the third is it just? Okay. I forget if where they they last they last left on. Is it the third or the fourth? I remember it just being essentially like a spy movie, like uh, Dolores well, is Dolores is Bond now. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like it, a spy it, caper film. It went. It's like it's now we're de- deconstructing future society and and giving people choice. <laughs> but Not, I fuck, yeah. we gotta pull this back. We're gonna we're gonna go Did, off. The oh, what are again. we talking about? We're talking about Memento, and uh, now now we need to uh, we need to wrap things up with uh, what we love to do, and that is the uh, the fine tuning of the last other chunks of filmmaking that we haven't talked about yet. So the film was uh, made very quickly. When I did yeah. the research for this, I my I eyes it. flared up. It was made in 25 days. Now, if you don't know how long a movie is normally made in, it's usually three months. It's usually five so years. It's no. usually 90 days. That's a yeah. that's a normal movie. Now, that can be doubled, or it could be five to six months it, if it's you know if if it's your Lord of the Rings, your epics, if right, with different epic, locations. Well, Lord of the Rings was was years, but yeah, each film was probably well. They were shot, I think, in five to six months, right? But then there was post production because they had to make special special effects, things like that. So the actual shooting, you know, the actors on location acting out the scenes, etc. But yeah, with films like that, there's post production, there's CGI. I mean, the ones that like. God, I was I was seeing movies on HBO Max, like or just scrolling through them. I remember seeing Gravity with like Sandra Bullock, and I remember I remember reading that took like a million years to make just because of the special effects alone. It was like ninety percent special effects and ten percent Sandra Bullock and this little pod, you know, talking to the camera. Uh, so stuff like that. Hold on, hold on a second. Um, Chris is back for the pitch. Oh, oh, oh Chris, Ken- yes. Kenneth Branagh is, is a Russian, and he goes backwards in time. Oh, okay. Is this another time thing? Yes. Um, and, and what's Twilight, this one called? Twilight Boy comes and saves the day. Uh, Twilight Boy, you must be, of course, talking about Robert Guess Pattinson. what? Guess what? He's also going <laughs> to be That's what we Batman. call him. Us producers, that's what we call him in the industry. Yes. <laughs> His okay. Twilight Boy. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, it was a very short shoot. And uh, the sound design was, I think, um, very, very good, very mature. I don't think it was doing anything revolutionary. The sound editing, the same. The sound mixing, the same. But what I did, what really stood out to me was the music. I love oh, the, the score. Yeah. Uh, this was a lot of ambient pieces, a lot of, um, a lot of pieces in the vein of the score to something like Blade Runner, actually. And this yeah. was done by David Julian. That was the name of the composer that created the film's synthesized score. Uh, here's a fun fact for you that you probably didn't know, Mr. Mr. Theodore Buck. Uh, uh-huh. And it, it'll relate to literally every single show we fucking do. And that is that Nolan originally wanted Radiohead's Paranoid Android for the end credits. Did you know that? I but, oh, know that. in the vein of us talking about Bowie just a minute ago... David Bowie Something in the Air is the uh, song oh, that they licensed yeah, instead. Yeah. So the original song they wanted was Paranoid Android off the of OK Computer, oh, but they yeah. used David Bowie Something in the Air. That's what they got. They couldn't uh, They couldn't secure the rights for the Radiohead piece. So they, was, this, was this one of like Tom and Johnny just saying like, fuck you kind of thing? I, there's no way because I feel like later on, I feel like they said yes to so many things. I remember there was like some, like the accountant, some movie with Ben Affleck in it, and the, no the trailer shit. had really? Did they the have... trailer had everything in its right place. I that's remember tra- that. That's a trailer though. But they gave the rights to a trailer, and I, I'm pretty I, sure I remember I, seeing it in the I'm movie. Gonna, I'm gonna piss off people if I go on a rant about the accountant, but let's let's continue. don't go on a rant about the account we don't have time for that but here's uh he did he did get to slip radiohead in there and he did that through tree fingers the tr- tree fingers is on the, the original memento soundtrack that's cool tree fingers uh people if you don't know is uh an ambient piece pretty much the only ambient piece that radiohead's ever written and that is right in the middle of kid a which uh oh, they've let's, written let's, some other ambient so let's plug course. let's plug our other shows we have a whole show on kid a and you can hear all about it over there yeah you, click in, right here can? here it is click, no click here no no, no follow wait. where here my where my finger is, is pointing click right now. here okay there we go click uh clayton smash edit that this like post. button <laughs> edit this in post just click it right smash that here. like button. hit subscribe also <laughs> if you want notifications hit the bell right next to it also um you know we, we don't have dislikes anymore so just hit the like button that's all we need if we can get hey folks Folks, look look at me right now. If we can get 10,000 likes on this video, we will make another podcast. Um, <laughs> we'll make another. We'll see. We'll see. We'll so, see. Um, it's basically let's, every YouTuber. Let's, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's go through the checklist. The, um, yeah. the acting was superb. I feel like Guy Pierce Fantastic. was mesmerizing. The uh, writing, though simple, was excellent. Uh, the dialogue, the movements... The shifts in um, plot structure, the structure itself, the narrative, how it was edited, the sound design, the editing, the music. Ah, Now, Buck, so I want you to, before we go into conclusions and telling the good people why they need to see Memento, let's talk about legacy for a little yeah. bit. This really did, you know, we've been joking a lot in this episode, a lot of yeah. tangents, but this has really influenced a lot of other films. Oh, yeah. Like, getting getting serious here. Um no, I, we love Chris, Chris Nolan. Um, Christopher Nolan is definitely one of my favorite top three directors. Not only did this solidify, you know, he caught my interest 
from getting from this, but also it really kind of started, I think, a lot of a trend, especially kind of this neo-noir kind of trend in filmmaking, but also just like pulling things back and really getting down to storytelling and yeah. making you think. There's not a lot of films and, and film directors, and we've talked about this before, that really when you leave a film that it kind of stays with you and you think a it lot lingers. about it. Yeah, like it I lingers. Yeah. It lingers with you. Uh, Denis Villeneuve uh, is another one. That Darren, I Aronofsky, think. Darren Aronofsky. Darren um, Aronofsky. Um, Fincher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. God, the, you know, the OG. Um, <laughs> I, you know, and I love, and, and it kills me and I get frustrated with the same things that Christopher Nolan gets frustrated with the sure. filmmaking over-reliance on CGI and things like that, not using practical We effects. like I practical, th- yeah. We like practical because our eyes can tell what's real not. Now, now yeah. it's, it's get, the, the lines it's are definitely creepy. getting yeah. blurred. Uh, that after Unreal Dune. Engine 5 is, is good. It's, yeah, uh, it's but, really good. But you got to respect a guy that really strives to go for that. And especially, I mean, I think what he did too is he really saved IMAX a lot, especially with a lot of his filmmaking. Um I'm not going to say that he was the only one that did that, but he loves to shoot in IMAX, loves shooting film. But going back to this, um, yeah, I think it it solidified as one of the industry's great artists um, and and thinkers and filmmakers. Really, that's the legacy here, and really getting back to the basics of what storytelling is and turning it on its head. I think that's absolutely well put, and some other honorable mentions. Other honorable mentions that I put on my list is uh, the uh, incredible pacing of the film. So the editing not only creates uh, incredible structure uh, to the narrative, but the pacing is perfect. I never got bored. It it, it always would change exactly when it needed to. And then it was also uh, there was also a lot of subtle humor. It it became very funny to me in in certain spots. And uh, there was a lot of close up scenes and what i mean by that is like the cinematography the choice and direction would be really close to the characters close to their face or close when they were close to each other and it created this intimacy in the film and then um but also on the other side that editing and that intimacy could create uneasiness and tenseness and uh, for lack of a better word a little bit of paranoia which is the exact same thing that again Leonard feels throughout the film with his amnesia uh, and problems uh, trusting people and things like that because he doesn't know who he's already told about his condition and he has to talk about that time and time again over and over again so book let's bring it on home memento a film for the ages and uh, we already used this comparison, uh, so we'll do it again. Much like Kid A brought music into the 21st century, so did Memento for film. Why should people go see this movie, Buck? Tell the good people. It, like you just said, it's groundbreaking. Um, it it was a sea change in a lot of ways. Um, but other than that, it's just like you would go back to any classic film and watch it. It is a classic. You go back and see these things because there's reasons for it. We've laid it out there. It's the structure, the pacing, the way it was filmed, the way it was made. It's just, it's just one of those uh, light, catching lightning in a bottle moments, and it's, um, it definitely is up there. And that's why you need to see it's part of not only just if not even if you're the biggest film buff or film historian, it's part of pop culture at this point. 
So yeah, it's a part of history, and it will it will be a part of history forever. Um, and ever ever uh, <laughs> ever ever. If you don't know now, now you know. So there you have it, my good friends and fellow deep divers. Memento, top to bottom. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much. But before we go, you know we have a little more for you, a little extra, a little icing for that cake, a little cherry on top with what we call the gem of the week. If you don't know what the gem of the week is, it is essentially something we like to do here at the end of our shows to give you a little more so you guys can dive deeper. Sometimes the gem is something on our radar, maybe in the last few days, week, or maybe even month, but we want to give it to you guys. Uh, Buck, um, I'm going to give you the floor first. And okay. uh, uh, what's what's been on your radar lately? Well, it, you know, I th- this is a revisit corner. Okay, this is not a new gym, but it's something that. Ooh, okay, um, you know, it was actually when I was thinking about the movie and, and Joe Pantoliano. Um, yeah, Matrix is all you know is back in. I was trying to think of all these things, and one movie I I feel like gets kind of lost in the ether, but it was one of Wachowski's first films, big films, and it's bound. Um, it's, it's actually, you know, I was thinking about it. It's a, it's a good film. Uh, it, it's probably more known for a certain scene, but I, I think it's a good movie. Go check it out uh, if you haven't, but it's another one to revisit kind of like a deep cut. It's a B side. It's but, probably uh, be better than Jupiter ascending. Oh or, yeah. Um, yeah. Some of their later, but they work. were, you know, it, it was a six million dollar budget movie made in '96. Shoestring so, budgets, cr- uh, yeah, create creativity. Uh, two brothers that were just kind of getting into things. So two two um, sisters. We we should be. Uh, I'm sorry, culturally well, yeah, two sensitive. sisters now. Yeah, well, but I'm, I'm saying back then it was back it was then. Much, yeah, they yeah, were still the uh, Wachowski brothers, and now they're yeah. the Wachowskis. I don't even know if they're called the Wachowski sisters, but we, we can call them. Uh, no, they just call themselves the Wachowskis overall. Yeah, I that's think, right. I think Lana's is it Lana? Yeah, I think she's the Lana. Only one that's, Lana, yeah, Lana like maybe, but she's the one that directed the the newest Matrix movie film. Yeah, yeah. I, don't I actually know. Saw I was it. just thinking about that. It's it was like family movie. in the theaters, Resurrections. It's exactly yeah. what you think it would be. That's not my gem of the week, but <laughs> no. But, <laughs> See but I was just want. thinking about like a, a good kind of like kind of this kind of noir kind of style film. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's something I haven't seen in a while. It's still. I think so pretty good. Yeah, I actually had kind of a hard time um, thinking about a gem for this episode. Given the time, I'm not going to say the time, Evergreen Baby, but uh, given the time of year, it was a little difficult. So I'm going to do something I haven't done before. I talked about a gem in a different episode, mm. and it was it was pre-viewing of the gem. I talked about Louis C.K.'s uh, stand up that he dropped called Sorry. You can only purchase it off of his website for $10. You can buy an hour long MP4 of, of, of a completely produced stand up set. It has, he's, he's, um, it's filmed on location. Uh, there's lighting, there's, you know, audio. It's, it's, it's the exact same thing you would see on Netflix, but you just have to buy it on his website. And, uh, God, Louis C.K., I know he gets, I, I say this time and time again, he has a lot of controversy behind the scenes of his comedy and his art, but if you just strip that all away and just look at his art, it is priceless. He is a master of this particular style of humor and stand-up and his craft, and you would think after all the controversies, um, he would have pulled back a little bit. I would say that he pushed harder into his 
into his style of comedy. He he went above and beyond to talk about topics that he knows is going to piss all of Twitter off. And and then he's very intelligently named his special sorry so that uh, it's like it's like uh, a preemptive attack. Right. He knows it's going to piss people off. So he's like, you know what, I'll just call it sorry. So it's always there in case uh, someone gets butt hurt and they will and they will. Uh, So there you have it, guys. If you like that, of course, you can follow us at at underscore Nova underscore day and day is de and at Nova day media. If you like uh, some of the things we enjoy talking about, we try to incorporate that into our products, our world uh, and at Nova day productions.com. You can find just that our products, such as the entropy sessions, both in written form and audiobook adulteration, post meridium, cancel culture, lotto, and maybe some photography on the horizon. We may want to give you some new stuff uh, that uh, me and Buck have been cooking up in our laboratory. So go ahead and like and subscribe and follow and hit that notification bell. Do all the things. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, comment. Um, Say mean things. We don't care. Just uh, participate. Rate and review all the shit. And until next time, guys, be good to each other. And as always, good luck and Godspeed. We love you. Art of the Beholder is brought to you by Novo Day Productions. Created and hosted by Novo Day and the Novo Day Collective. Facebook.com slash Novo Day Media. At Novo Day Media on Twitter and Instagram. Music by A Company. Facebook.com slash ACO Music 123, ACO on Spotify. Logo designed by Tom Justice, J E S T U S, of thejusticecompany.com, and executively produced by Clayton Anderson. All rights reserved.